the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 62. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? Mm, I'm good. Thanks for waking me up this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you did. Did I wake you up? Yeah. I, I woke up um, an hour earlier, um, turned off my alarm. It's the first day of summer school being out, right. so there's no school this morning. So apparently we all slept in this morning. Um, and then when you texted me, I was like, whoa, I got to get up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like a Sandra no. wake up. <laughs> I am sleeping definitely a little later than because my kids have been out of school well for a week now. Um, I'm definitely sleeping a little bit later. Mm. I usually get up about 4.30 or 5, but I've been getting up about 6 or 6.30, so that's yeah. a little bit later. But, yeah, no, I texted you because my computer was updating, and it had been updating for half an hour, and it didn't look like it was going <laughs> to finish mm-hmm. in time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did because you would have been all ready for me, and I'd be like, I'm still in bed. Okay. <laughs> oh... Well, I got to meet your lovely kids last weekend again. Yeah. yeah. Or see them again, I guess, because I've met them before. But to mm-hmm. see them again, it's been a while. And they, oh my God, it was so fun to hang out with you, Sandra. It was so fun. God, what a, what a week that was. Extended weekend, whatever. It was, yeah. God, it was so good. I mean, there were so many times where I was just so wrapped up in the moment, just Mm -hmm. looking around going, oh my God, this is the best week ever. (laughs) (laughs) So for our listeners who don't know or didn't see all of our fun in Austin, um, Natalie Fairbrook and I and Sasha Corrales um, flew out to Austin last Wednesday and um, and to attend uh, Sandra and Sasha and Sarah Andrews' uh, Women's Circle. And Sarah Andrews has been on the show, Sasha Corrales has been on the show, um, and Natalie will be, um, but we got to meet up and have like a few days beforehand, before the women's circle to kind of um, join together and go shopping. You took us to the Deep Eddy, we went the to pool. Deep Eddie pool. Nice. I kept calling it Big Eddy, and they're like, someone told me like, it's Deep Eddy, it's not Big Eddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Just like I got schooled on it, it's not queso, it's cheese. Um, it's deep eddy. So it was so, um, like, not rushed. Just right. everything felt lovely. That is nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice not to have, like, a big old agenda, you know, yeah. where you feel like you don't have downtime. We didn't have any agenda other than your workshop. That's a really great way to vacation and right opinion. <laughs> I don't think I had any time to think about anything before we got to Austin. Um, other than kind of like generically, like I'd like some good food. Um, and you know, a, yeah, a dip in the pool would be great, but that wasn't, you know, and, 
And we did. We did plan B because you wanted to take us to the beautiful Barton Springs. Yeah, right. We were going to go to Barton Springs. And then I've, I've done this. That, that was the third time I've done it. But they closed the pool on Thursdays to clean it. Yeah. And I forget every time I forget. I think it's a new thing. I don't think they've always done this. And so I forget every time. And so, we, right. So when we pulled up, we were in separate cars. When I pulled up, I thought, sweet, we are getting epic parking today. <laughs> you know, and then it just right. hit me. I asked my son, what, what's today? What's today? He's like, mom, calm, uh, calm down. It's uh, uh, Thursday. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) But it was so great. Texting technology, this texting business. I know sometimes we get down on technology and we shouldn't be on our phones, but it was so key to the whole weekend of hooking up with ladies, meeting for dinner, going here, grabbing a lift, us changing our route, telling our driver in route, like, take us to the deep eddy. We're not going to Barton Barton Springs. Like it was magic. Yeah. Phones are magical. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but Yeah, that was really cool. And um, I just think the whole experience of like, like seeing you in real life after talking to you every week and doing these shows, it was like, I couldn't, I was like, I think I jumped up and down at one point. I was like, so excited, you know, to just (laughs) see you. Met for the first time. We had never. (gasps) Oh, that's right. Isn't she lovely? Mm -hmm. I am just like hearing like the Stevie Wonder song right now, because she is just, she's a force, a beautiful warm loving force like um like a mama to all of us yep yeah for sure yeah yeah and then and then after you guys left uh it was my birthday yeah and you know my kids had or chloe my daughter had a little flurry of activity and um, and then I woke up thinking that I didn't do enough social media, you know, mm. does my love exist if I didn't do enough social media, you know, right. I kept that's thinking, a real thing. I, I kept thinking about that philosophical idea, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it, did it make a sound? And so I was thinking, <laughs> you know, is, is my love true? Did I really have enough fun because I didn't post it on social media? It's so it was messing with me. Yeah. And then yesterday I just like really hit a wall. Mm. It was, you know, tell me more. It's just one of those things where I just like woke up. I mean, it was a true existential crisis where you know, I was just having debilitating self-doubt, like you're stupid. Everything you do is stupid. Why are you doing this? Why don't you just get a job at the grocery store? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, it's the aftermath of coming off of so much fun and, and connection and success and love and, I, you know, but I don't know if that happens to everybody. I mean, I got had so many sweet notes because I did an Instagram story and I got so many sweet notes um, of, you know, women just saying, oh, yes, all the time. I'm so glad it's not just me. But it sucks. Nonetheless, it's I don't know if it's like an upper limit thing or, you know, if uh, some one of my friends said, hello it's entropy because 
humanoid. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. I like that friend of yours. That wasn't me. I'm not that wise. Right. Right. So, you know, it is the human experience, which does make it more palatable, I guess. And it will pass. And I probably won't go get a job at the grocery store. Right. And I'll decide that I'm not a complete piece of shit, but yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like crippling self-doubt and how that just like a rogue wave, right? It just kind of like out of nowhere, you just had all these really great experiences. Yeah. And then boom. I'm sorry. Like I just always wonder, is that like the glass ceiling that you hit and go, you know, where you just tell yourself, that's the most fun you can have. That's <laughs> the most you can get. Or maybe, are, maybe you're all your points and you just use them all up. So there's <laughs> no more for you. <laughs> or there, you hit the glass ceiling and now it's and under construction. It's under construction yeah. to make it a little taller. Right. right? Or right. you're, you're, I don't know, Sandra. I, I, well, I do know the feeling of the come down. And, um, for me, like after that weekend, it's been, it's just, it's been since May 1st, exactly May 1st for me. Right. Like it's still, even though May is over and I was really happy for it to be over, it's still going right now for me. I won't have it until after tomorrow night, after my show opens. And I know I'm probably going to feel like what you're saying, like in this come down. Um, but I had an interesting experience when I went to um, the gallery this week. And, uh, just some, I just shifted my expectations of the show while I was delivering all of the paintings. I'll put it that way. And, um, well, I delivered them and, um, the gallery owner was, uh, underwhelmed, should I say, by my work. Um, so that felt like a punch in the throat and I had to like kind of compose myself he felt like he needed to critique your work as you were bringing it in. Not, not specifically, but um, uh-huh. like, um, how can I put this? I didn't want to totally make it a, a, a draw. I don't want to. I want to try to just be the facts. Um, right. Those are all too big. There's not. They're not going to fit. I only need one of my big paintings that I've been working my ass off for 16 weeks for four months. And so as soon as I walk in the door with just one, by the way, he hasn't even really seen it. It was just the mere size of it. And then as I brought them in, he was like, I can't. Yeah, I can't use these. And I'm crushed because these are the ones I poured my heart and soul in. These are the layers. Wow. These are the centerpiece of the show. This right. is a lot was more. Was it a space issue or was he? It's a space um, issue. Yeah. it's. I don't right. think it's personal. Um you know, that's from a few days of thinking about it, Sandra. But when you're delivering it and you're, you've worked so hard, um, I have a bunch of little ones, which are beautiful and I love. But to be honest, those didn't take me as long. There's layers and they were like I was building up to do the big ones, right? They were right. like the pre-work. They're important. They're definitely a part of the show. He said, and I said, I said, you wanted this size. I have it in my notebook. Oh, okay. you told me yeah. to go big. So I stood up for myself. Good. Um, and then I was like, don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. And he was like, well, pick one of your favorites. And I just, I was like, I had to like fortify myself really quickly and think I can sell these on my website. 
I don't need this guy. I don't need, I don't need this situation right now to happen. And I just, I picked the one that was my favorite. Mm -hmm. And then when my partner for the show got there, I could tell she was trying to like help me out with him because she's, she's the relationship with him, not me. So I really have not talked to him since the first time we met and set all these show expectations. And then she was, and he was like, well, this is just too many paintings. It's like, it's going to be the Tammy show, you know? What about Gail? Oh, I said her name. Um, yeah, well, she doesn't mind. <laughs> and um, yeah, because we're public about our show. Um, and she was so, so she was like, no, she can have whatever room she wants. I only have eight little paintings. She can have whatever she wants. Like, I don't need all this space. This is, you know, this is why I asked her to, to do this show with me. So she was like, you could just tell. And then immediately I just started saying the serenity prayer. I know that sounds really silly, but I did. And I was like, okay, he, he did set the expectation that he would curate the show. And that that was his art form. Right. So I said, okay, how many do you want? And I just clicked into like, you know, and um, he told me. So I ended up taking one home. So he kept three of the big ones. And so before I left, I said, hey, if you don't want to hang any of those, I will come back and get them. Um, I said, so just let me know. And um, so your friend hadn't shown. So your your partner hadn't shown up yet. Right. It was just me. He was just trying to he was protecting her because they have a relationship or something. Probably. She's had a few shows there. Um, Yeah. But it was just, you know, Sandra, like it's been a lot of emotional lead up to this thing. I've worked really, really hard. Um, It's my first time. And, um, I know, I, I know I I shouldn't say this definitively before it's happened, but I don't want to do a solo or kind of a two person show ever again, that much. They're very hard. Mm -hmm. I don't want that pressure. Um, I no longer want to do commissions. I've decided, um, too much pressure. I, cause I can't, I can't produce. I found out that I can't produce when that pressure is on. Anyhow, this is a whole nother show. So okay, I left there. I went to go get ice cream at this beautiful place where they make all these funky flavors. And, love, and I sat on a bench and I was like, okay, I'm going to just um, photograph my artwork with good photos. I'm going to add them to my website. I'm going to try to make prints this summer of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, that's going to be my project. And so I'm going to my show tomorrow. I'm so excited. My friends are coming. My goddaughters oh, are coming. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So I want to enjoy it. And really, I did a lot of work. It's a celebration, like, of my hard work. And totally. Then that will, you know, I have a couple more obligations to him. Two other nights that I have to be at the gallery with the show. And, um, and well, you know, I'm going to fulfill my obligation. This has all been a learning. And um, I'll see what I want to do next. <laughs> Oh, I think, I think it's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I wish I could be there. Yeah, I do too. It's going to be amazing. You'll be there in spirit. I will. Oh, so, um, so that's a lot, but I understand. So what, what I'm saying is I'm feeling like, I don't know, maybe because that exchange this week, that's kind of lowered some things for me about Friday night, tomorrow night. I feel Mm -hmm. a little less pressure. I feel like, of course I want to go and, and celebrate it and have a lovely time. And I'm very proud of what I've done. But I've also kind of taken a step back from it already. Like, it's not everything. Mm-hmm. It's, no. You know. And it's right. been it's been a learning. But um, it's going to be a, a nice, beautiful night, I am sure. And I'm sure I am going to feel high from all the love of the people, which is, I think, kind of like this weekend when you forget that energy of people that we had at the women's circle. It's pretty powerful. 
Oh, so for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I loved it. I love seeing your work. I like seeing your kimonos in person. I mean, um, Sarah's meditation and the exercises she did and Sasha's words during the circle, like to understand the meaning of malas and like putting it around your head, almost like a crown. Like she said, Mm -hmm. we are queens, you know, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Every element of it, I thought was just perfect. And I, you know, I have nothing to compare it to. That was the first, that was the first workshop I've been a part of. Um, as a teacher, but I loved I all your just, words. I thought it was perfect. I really did. I mean, not that there wasn't, isn't room for improvement. Um, but I thought it was really great. Yeah. And, um, I loved all the women there. Um, I, I almost, I cried like probably mm-hmm. four or five times. <laughs> It was beautiful. Well, I like the self-portrait exercise that you did and all the beautiful words that you said that, uh, and I love seeing your notes that you hand wrote out this beautiful, um, talk that you gave us. It was just the whole part. It was just really genuine and very, um, sweet and powerful and loving, like the whole thing. It was just, just what you would imagine a women's circle would be, you know, those feelings that I left with. I can't wait to get to witness from afar. I wish I was witnessing it as a, as a guest, but I can't wait to witness from afar your, mm. your women's circle that you're doing yeah. with Sasha and Natalie. That's I know. We're very excited. We're very excited. So yeah, that's on June 16th. Um, at, to hear how, how, it will be, how it will be different. That's yeah. Be interesting too. Yeah, we, we kind of did a little um, powwow, as, and Sasha was like, she was so inspired, you know, after, um, like, let's do a roundup, let's make some notes, ladies, let's get this going, let's do our lady empire building session, and um, just for flow and timing, and, you know, she, since she did it with you and the timing of it, she just, you know, wanted to get it down while it was fresh, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. And I don't have any fear or nervousness about doing that. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. So we'll share it. We'll, we'll definitely share it. I think um, Natalie's already booking with her studio. Um, it's not set in stone, but they wanted to do one every quarter, a women's circle every oh, quarter. Amazing. So hopefully that will be um, something that can happen and that people can rely on. And we talk about Natalie a lot. Natalie is such a an important person in my life and in my, um, you know, she's a sober sister, like, and beyond that, she's just a really important person. And so I'm, I'm really excited to have her come on the show too and talk so that people can finally get to know her. Yeah. Should we tell our listeners what we kind of have planned loosely planned for this summer? Ooh, yeah, let's. Okay. Um, you want me to go? Cause I, yeah. yeah. So, so this summer we, um, we might be pressed for a little bit of time this summer. Um, you know, it's wide open, but we have kids and vacations and stuff. So we know that our shows have been going a little longer. Like this one's going to go for a while. It's going to be about an hour 45. And we thought, well, maybe we can like have a little bit of a shorter interview, like an hour, hour. I mean, we're going to see what happens with it, but we would have women on that, um, modern day women that, um, no longer drink and, 
are creating a life um, that they no longer want to escape from. So it's not necessarily that the, I don't, in my mind, at least my vision of it, is that they don't have to have a specific um, creative medium. Or their life is their medium. Like a platform. Yeah. Quote. Yeah. Their life is their right medium. Now, or yet, maybe, but yeah, exactly. And so we're just going to ask him, um, we're going to get make it really simple. We're going to do um, an intro, um, how they came to quit drinking. Like we always ask in the beginning, um, you know, how have you created a life that you no longer want to escape from? And that can be open so they can talk about what they want to talk about. We'll do a little three toolbox item thing at the end. Um, so they're going to be a little bit, um, shorter, not as focused on specific questions. We're going to let the women kind of tell us what they want to, what they want to reveal. And, um, I'm excited about that. And there's a lot of women we want to talk to that we know from in real life. And then a lot of women that that were at the women's circle, um, women who have been ray of lights in my ray of light series that, um, we saw in person. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. So get ready for that. And yeah, we should probably get to the show so these people can get on with their day. (laughs) We will. (laughs) Um, I just want to say really quickly, you're going to get it. We clearly a- need to do an episode, just the two of us, because we have more things to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. That's coming up. <laughs> that's coming up. Um, but a quick, I know you're getting the mid, my husband removed the, the Patreon bumper that was at the top of the show. Um, but we wanted to let you, I looked last night, we have 51 patrons. So I want to say thank you. I've not been good about, um, communicating on the Patreon page. It's just like at this other thing that I haven't figured out yet, but I'm going to work on that this summer, but I just wanted to verbally say a big thank you. And, um, there's a little bumper in the middle of the show that will remind everybody that we have a Patreon campaign at patreon.com backslash, um, the unruffled podcast. And we're just asking for a small donation. So like a dollar an episode or $4 a month. Some people have been so kind and generous and they're doing $10 a month, which thank you very much. Yeah. Um, just all of it we appreciate. The $1 donation, we totally appreciate that too. So um, if you want to check that out and support us, we really, really appreciate it. All right. Let's get down to business. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Amy. Why don't you want to lead? Why don't you lead off and read her bio that we have for her? Yeah. So today um, on the podcast, we have Amy Newman. And I love Amy's blurb here. So Amy likes plants. She likes making things. And though she struggles and resists, just like most of us, making time to get quiet and move her body keeps her sane and growing true joy in her life. It fills her up to help others create a flow to their day so there's space to welcome more plants, more quiet, more movement so they can grow their joy too. Yeah, and she is going to be launching a seven-day raw road trip in a couple of days, which is a program that she created that I participated in for three of those days. So I'm going to, I'm going to do the seven day, uh, revisit it when she launches it again and learn, um, and to learn more, you can, or download a few of her free guides that she provides on like 14 day smoothie challenge. And she has some guides on essential oils. Um, you can visit her website, which is, uh, www.wholelifewithamy.com or you can check her out on Instagram where I love her feed. It's so vibrant yeah, and beautiful and just, mm-hmm. you could just, she's radiating off the screen. Um, and she radiates in real life too, when I met her. Um, and her, her handle is at whole life with Amy on Instagram. And that's where she engages a lot. So 
I hope you guys enjoy her as much as we did. Enjoy, Amy. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. We are so excited to have you, Amy. I think I asked you if you would ever think about coming on the show, what, like a year ago, maybe, or something. I'm just excited that it's finally happening. I am, too. I drug my feet, and then there was a moment when I just decided to completely own this as me <laughs> and my life and said, heck yes, why would I not? Yeah, I think we were both kind of coming at you separately. And then Sandra's like, I've already reached out to her. I'm like, oh, I reached out to her too. We're both coming at her. Like, like we had girl crushes on you. We're like, we want Amy on the show. <laughs> so I'm yeah, glad. I'm glad we beat you down there. And you uh, <laughs> future guests. That's what we do. We just keep um, sending you private messages on Instagram, begging you to come on the show. <laughs> it works. And it worked. I'm really proud to say that. Well, you and I got to meet a couple months ago. Um, well, it looks like it was, um, was it May already? End of April, May? Um, in Los Osos, where you live, which is in Central California, which is beautiful. Absolutely yes, beautiful. Right in one of our favorite spots, right on the little tiny back bay beach. And you gave me a list of really awesome places to go and see. And do we were down there with our friends from France with their little, um, I think he's four. And uh, you brought your little girl who is five. Yeah, she just yeah. turned five. Oh, she was so sweet and so open and lovely with him. And uh, you gave me all of your thrifting haunts and where to find good organic produce and grocery outlet, which I was surprised. Mm-hmm. You have a really good one. And you have farmer's markets down there like every single day, right? At least one a day. <sighs> yeah, wow. within 30 minutes. It's ridiculous. I actually purposely don't share a lot of um, photos. Uh, you'll, you know, you see those big bountiful photos um, from farmer's markets and grocery hauls, farmer's market produce. And I try not to do that. I've been humbled at how most people just don't have access to that. So I don't mm. want it to feel like because you don't have a farmer's market every day um, that you can't eat and benefit from plants. Uh, right. Yeah. That is a good point because you're right. I mean, and I live in a, you know, a, a pretty thriving city. Um, we do have some, some urban farms, um, but uh, I don't even know if they have the market open every day. So yeah, that's a very, that's a, that's a luxury, I guess, um, which is so weird to say, right? That, okay. that it's a luxury to get, to be able to buy farm produced, local farm produced, um, vegetables and produce. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Well, central California, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Sonoma County in Northern California, which there's, I mean, I live in a farming town. We do not have farmers markets every day up here. I mean, in the summertime, we I can I can think of four on different days, but yeah, that's that's that is that is lucky. But you're right, just because I know the way that you teach, and we'll get into that later in the show, is that you don't have to have that to eat in a healthy, organic way, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I don't make apologies that I shop at Ralph's as well, and scoop up the deals at grocery outlet and um just make it all work because energy is also a budget i consider so mm, right yeah right 
Well, we always start at the top of the show. We'll get into all of these good things that you've been up to and your path and kind of where you're at now and your offerings. But I was wondering if you could help our listeners get to know you better by letting us know, letting them know, and us as well, I guess, um, how you came to the decision to remove alcohol from your life or to quit drinking or have that be part of your um, day to day. Mm-hmm. Well, just let's just get right to the heart of it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, there were a lot of little uh, steps and inspirations, and I was moved along the way to come to that decision. But internally, I just I have a few basic rules that I apply to my life. I love the eighty twenty rule, and one rule is just to ask myself. And how is this serving me? And is it serving me? And it, uh, keeping alcohol in my life was serving me in a couple of ways. So the next question is, and how is that serving you? And none of them were healthy, and alcohol was not a good way to meet that need. So instead of uh, creating more rules, you know, well, you know what? I'll just have that really good white wine with my father-in-law. That was something we loved to share at Sunday dinners have a couple glasses of wine. I'll just do it then. Then he would, you know, leave the good bottle and then I would finish that. And well, all these little rules. And I realized it was taking up way too much brain space for these rules. So in keep wanting to keep my life simple and my brain space simple, but really I realized it was a problem. Tammy, I love how you say good for them, not for me. It's, It's not my business how it does or doesn't work for other people's lives. But I realized especially since I had to be making rules about it, that it just didn't need to be in my life. It wasn't something that would ever serve me or would ever turn out well. (laughs) Yeah, it's like if you have to make rules, right? Ding, ding, ding. Maybe that's something you need to think about. Yeah. I was just having, yeah, I was just having a phone conversation with my sister this morning and, and, um, and it was the same thing when I was asking her some questions and she's like, well, when this happens, this, and if I don't do that and I don't, I'm like, that just sounds like a lot of work to think about drinking that way. Yeah. You know, it's just a lot right. of energy, a lot of energy. A lot of energy. Right. Yeah. And, after and I agree. Class, yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I agree for me. It's, I was even having this conversation this weekend. It's just, a. Um, there's more simplicity in it just not being an option, taking the option off the table. But I, I mean, I guess I can see, and I'm not trying to advocate for moderation, but I can see how that, you know, everybody has roles in their lives about things they ingest. And, you know, I can see how that works for some people, but, um, but not for me. Yeah, exactly. I can see how people that don't ever want the second glass, Mm-hmm. Maybe when they go out for Mexican, they always get margaritas and they just get, get one margarita and that works for them. I can see how it works for others. But again, <laughs> it's not my business. It doesn't work mm-hmm. like that for me. Yeah. Right. And do you think, um, I mean, since we've been t- talking with you or chatting with you, were you kind of figuring that out along the way about that over this last year that we've been kind of courting you? That was my resistance. That's mm. exactly it, is that I didn't want to say yes and go all in and literally get the tattoo and then be going. I was wishy-washing on my um So over this last year has been where I decided that that would serve me best. Mm. But then that part of me was like, well, you know, just with just in this situation, so then I'd have a glass of wine and then be like, 
well, that <laughs> that's not really where I want to go. So then I would begin again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never counted days. I still, it's been, I think I'm coming up on four months now and mm-hmm. I feel like this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm not counting days because I did not want the, you failed start over. Yeah. I didn't want, uh, I didn't want to label myself because then I would, I didn't want to focus too much on that part. I wanted just kind of like my transition from Lyme disease to focusing on vibrant wellness. When I switched my focus is when my health changed. Mm. So I started printing off trackables and check marks and apps and, and I get why that works for people. But I found it wasn't working for me. I was every day I was focusing on the not and the choice. And then it just shifted me when I just it shifted for me when I just said, it's just not something I do. As if I never had. Mm. And most of my life I actually didn't drink alcohol. And that shifted. So for me, it's as if it always was. And I just know I, I'm not going to go back. But yes, I drug my feet because I didn't want to be a hypocrite. And I didn't want to let people down. Yeah, and we didn't want to pressure you, you know, but it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I realize that maybe um, by keep asking, like, I was like, am I causing more strife? Or, you know, is she, um, am I pressuring you? And I didn't want that either. So I hope, I just want you to know that wasn't our intent. We were just, we love everything that you're doing and feel like it's very similar um, in alignment with what, you know, where we're talking about. And we know our listeners would yeah. get a lot from what you do with your work too, which is what we're going to chat about too in the show. So, oh, well, well, and there is something about that outward accountability too, right? When you say it out loud, like I'm sober now, or I'm not drinking, or I've given up alcohol, or however you want to phrase it, there is, it takes it to another level when you start to experience that outward account- accountability. It really does. I didn't feel, um, I did feel pressure in a good way. I felt like I was being observed as living my life to a certain level and that had become comfortable for me and I was being called to step it up. Hmm. If I'm trying to practice being present, how is a glass of wine before I get my daughter situated for bed? How am I practicing being present in my parenting? Now, again, that works for some people. It wasn't for me. I felt called to step it up. Hmm. Yeah. I I think that... um... A lot of your work and your website and, the, and getting to know you better, I really think your approach, like what you've just everything that you've just said right here and that good for you, not for me, just that you're not pushing this on anyone, I did, but you seem like you are such a vessel for sharing kind of all this wealth of knowledge that you've accumulated and that you're so much, it seems like you've been called or destined to be a teacher. And I love, I love that about you. And I took a couple of your, I'm doing um, the seven day rod rope trip that we'll talk about. And I took the 14 day green smoothie challenge that you did. And I noticed the thread between those two. And I imagine with anything else that you teach is that it's um, very, very individual. There's no judging. There's a lot of adaptability there's a lot of just do one thing different. If that's the only thing you do, you don't have to do these 10 things. If you do one, that's like victory. <laughs> you know, I like your whole teaching style, Amy. And I, I can tell that's just how and who you are. Thank you. Yeah. I love to help people along the way. And we are different. We have 
while I don't believe genetics plays the strongest role, we're physically made up as very different cellular individuals. So it, it makes sense to me that no one path, no cookie cutter way is going to work for yeah. each person. And once you put one foot in front of the other, if, if someone works with me on any level, whether we just hang out on Instagram for several months, if they walk away with a nugget that brings them greater clarity, that brings them greater health, then I believe we come from a clearer space. We have less distraction because we have maybe it's less pain or less itchy skin or a little more time in our day. Then I feel I've led them to the next stepping stone, which might not be my path but they have that much clarity to find their next step. You use a word um, that I've noticed, um, the word vibrant um, in your teachings. And even when I was texting with you and I was with my mom in Phoenix and talking about her diet and I started her on the smoothies in the morning and um, was sharing some type of foods that she ate or, um, and it really, I wasn't, Maybe I was, I don't know, being judgmental, but I was sharing kind of like, this is where it's at. Like just the facts is what I kind of felt like I was sharing. And you're like, oh, so those foods aren't as vibrant as maybe some others, but at least she's doing that. Like just the whole way that you just talked about it and looked at what I was saying. And I was like, okay, she said that a lot nicer than what I was saying. <laughs> um, and it just, it, it was easier for me to hear, which I would imagine would be much easier for my mom to hear. You know, it was a really beautiful language that you have around the way that you teach. And I, it's a very, it's a beautiful skill you have. Well, and you are a vibrant, very radiant person. And it's very attractive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the traditions of, of the 12-step program, there's a phrase that says attraction rather than promotion. And I feel like that, that you embody that mm -hmm. truly, Amy. You are a radiant, vibrant person. And I... I, I want what you have, you know, and I, and, and I guess it goes back to the sobriety thing. I think that maybe Tammy and I both just assumed you were sober just because you were so, mm -hmm. uh, you are su such a vibrant person. And, um, it just seemed like we just, we completely projected. It just <laughs> seemed like that that was, you know, a choice that you probably made that we decided that you made that was, you know, <laughs> In alignment with your life and it's interesting to me now that you were making those choices um you just were you know it was on your path yeah mm -hmm. exactly part of part of the path absolutely you probably saw me popping up um on some of those memes i i think it's sober at buttercup she makes some of the most incredible one-liners and oh she's great yeah so good i'm not even a huge meme fan but they're just dead on she made one about it's not about not liking who you are drinking it's like it's liking who you are without it something like that mm. Yeah. yeah so you probably saw me popping up on there yeah maybe yeah with other people's, um, you know, food choices or choices in general, um, taking a step back and honoring, just just respecting, just trying to respect and honor where they're at and what maybe is working for them. That's helped a lot in not feeling like I need to um, change them or, you know, as if I know what's best for them. Trusting that they're on their own path. Well, and it's like, well, you're in, so, um, 
I was just thinking of our friend, Erin Shaw Street. She has an Instagram account, Tell Better Stories. I don't know if you're following that at all. But she's just talking about the role that media is playing, right? And she just, with health and wellness, she's been calling out, I mean, she called out Goop this weekend, um, which I she did a wonderful, beautiful post on that, about, you know, promoting drinking and this culture that is telling women, you know, kind of creating this narrative uh, that drinking is is normal and that that is what we should kind of aspire to be is women who can rosé all day. And so with health and wellness, I imagine with your work too, like thinking about um, just the health benefits of drinking or, or, or what it is or what it's made of or without getting too judgmental. It's like, it's, it, that's gotta be a fine line that you probably have to walk with people too in your work, right? Because you're not telling people not to drink. That's not your platform. But how do you, right. how do you, how do you navigate that? Well, I, I like asking questions instead of giving answers. Hmm. So I like to share, you know, a tip on um, how to make a zoodle because zoodles have worked for me. So I'm not telling you, you should drop pasta and make zoodles, but here's how to make one. Hey, give it a try. Maybe put it in here and there. So in, with alcohol, it's the, it is the question of, and how is that serving you? What is, what is it that you're getting out of that? And what might be another tool that you can mix in there? When I, I spent a lot of my life not drinking at all for other reasons. And then during several years of treatment, a few years of treatment, um, it was so, you know, you might die if you miss it, mix it with this prescription. It was really easy not to. But then navigating, well, now I'm well now. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly working to support this wellness. So while I love to look at food and even spaces and places and relationships on a spectrum of not necessarily good or bad, but this is the highest vibrational biodynamic and then down here is the lower, I see alcohol is certainly down on the lower. So how is that balancing out with everything else in someone's life? And often it just doesn't balance out. So if I remove the judgment and just ask the questions and ask them to look at it on, is that bringing you up in your vibration, in your vibrancy? And for me, I realized, again, it wasn't for me. In fact, it was the opposite. And I don't think that that was, it was mostly unconscious, but it can be scary to shine so bright that you draw more attention, you draw Mm -hmm. more people, more people look to you, Mm -hmm. people expect more of you when you shine bright. So I, I think alcohol can um, consciously or subconsciously dull that to a more comfortable, quiet, dimmer space that doesn't attract so much attention. Yeah, At I least agree not with that. The attention that holds you to a higher accountability. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. That's a really good way that. of looking at that. Because it doesn't have to be that you are this, you know, there's the spectrum, right, of, of, of drinking. And, and a lot of the times when we have these conversations or people are using the A word for alcoholic, then people don't like that. Like they shy away. Like it, it, there's an extreme. and there, but, but to kind of know that, is this just how I want to live? Is this how I want to feel? Am I showing up in a way that's you know, brighter, like you said, if you could ask that question as your soft entry to figuring it out. Um, right. I'm Am not... I serving my highest potential? And I yeah. you know that sounds such a lo- like such a lofty thing, but um, I, you know, I, I feel better when I'm addressing that. Right. 
It doesn't have to be punitive or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to have a problem with alcohol. You don't have to be allergic to it. You don't have to struggle with choices or limiting. You don't have to have a problem with it to simply decide, I don't want an extra 300 calories a week. I'd rather have two more avocados with that. (laughs) Yeah. I want to feel bright in the morning so that I do make it to that yoga class or... It doesn't have to be, I've heard high bottom, low bottom. Um, I feel like I've hit both of those. I do feel that my brain, my history, I don't know how much, you know, how much of what it is. I do feel that alcoholism and being an alcoholic is a label I could easily put on myself. Um, I've never had a professional say that. I don't need one to. I don't like labels, so it doesn't, it doesn't work for me, but I've looked at it for myself. But for others, you don't have to have a label or even an itchy tongue after you have white wine or red wine. Is it serving you? And I don't know why you wouldn't want to show up as your fullest self. Yeah, I don't know why either for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, I'd never asked myself that question. Yeah. To it. Yeah. And for our listeners that aren't familiar with your platform, can yeah, can you tell us what you struggled with and, and, and how you healed yourself with food. Yes. Um, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and many co-infections. It's rarely just one hypothyroidism, possibly Hashimoto's tons of other things. Epstein-Barr virus, the classic chronic fatigue, um, virus. When Emily was one year and two days old, so I was holding her and in that moment was told, this is, you can never breastfeed again um, for fear of, of trends uh, passing on any infections. And so I mm. immediately began a very intensive, um, it was actually illegal in some states at the time, high antibiotic treatment along with lots of other prescriptions and herbal tinctures and all sorts of things. And... It was pretty gnarly. It's been compared to chemo. I've never experienced that, so it's not, but it's, it's pretty gnarly. So I did that for one year and Mm -hmm. the treatment alone causes so much brain fog that, um, I just wasn't well enough to really make my own decisions or question it. And I think the fear also shut down was part of it. My own intuition, as well as even the thought to question a doctor, even though I'd had a women's care massage practice, I was very in tune with a very strong intuition in the past. And that wasn't my way. But when you get a diagnosis and what it could be like, and you're only going to get 60% better, I think fear can too easily kick in. So I just did what I was told, including zero fruit. Um, I went extreme paleo with very light, there was no vegetable focus. Um, I think paleo can be can serve people very, very well, especially when it's veggie-centric. Um, there are many paths. So that's what I did. And after a year, I was extremely sick. I was much, much sicker than I'd ever been in my life. And I really, I really thought I was going to die. Hmm. I realized that another client um, had a very similar treatment program and that we had very little for detox. And I also wasn't getting monthly blood work panels, which are 
crucial to make sure that your liver is not dying. Mm. (laughs) So um, so I thought something is not right here. And I just literally felt like this is going to kill me. Mm. So Mm. I would not recommend this to anyone, but this is what I did. I fired my doctor who I still have respect and faith that uh, he's, they're helping a lot of people and that, you know, doing their best, but it, it was not serving my eyes good. So I fired my doctor and I did a green juice feast, which I'd been looking into. I was a little bit better in some ways and beginning to really reach out. So I did a green juice feast and I kept a minimal amount of the supplements. I'm talking a handful up to eight times a day, a handful of pills and liquid. Wow. And yeah, it's insane. So the nausea alone, you could imagine. Mm. Uh, so I did that and I have never ever in my life, I've probably had some of those co-infections since I was a little girl. So I didn't realize how much pain I was in joint pain, bottoms of my feet. I would never jump off. I would never drop from the monkey bars. I would always slide down slowly from the pole because the bottoms of my feet would have been so much pain. I mm. actually couldn't see it was so, and I didn't realize that that wasn't how it's supposed to be. Cause you know, no one asks a seven year old. <laughs> your knee how's your knee pain yeah (laughs) right so I um I did that until I felt like okay it's enough I'm really glad I didn't you know push for like the 30 days I listened to my body and during that time that's all I did I practiced listening to my body and so how long was the protocol the green I did I ended up being about 25 days okay and that's all I did I did um a tablespoon or two of coconut. I would do it differently now and I share and I've done it again differently. But literally what I did was about six quarts. It's one thing, it's a feast, not a fast. Mm -hmm. So I was still getting an average of 1800 calories a day and green juice does have proteins in it and other things. So there are ways to, you know, there are, I would, I would do it better, but I didn't know what I was doing. I just jumped in and thankfully I did feast. You were trying to save your life is what you were doing. I was. Yeah. I was. Yep. And um, since then, I show, while many people on that treatment have a side effect of a damaged liver, I show zero damage to my liver after that whole year. So then I realized there was still more work to do, but I was ready to partner with the wellness practitioner. So I found a new doctor, a naturopath also an MD and what's called an LLMD, a Lyme literate medical doctor. He focused on Lyme. So I partnered with him and I still gave up a little bit more power than um, I probably should have, but I was ready to come back with questions and ideas and asking my body with each new layer if it, how it was working. And funny enough, he, he would always have, well, why don't we do this instead? Or I learned I could put many of those capsules in my green smoothie and liquefy it. Not all, but many. Mm. So I learned to partner. And be your own advocate, right? Exactly. Yeah. I learned to do better research. I stayed off the forums, which were not only extremely fear-based, but people often sharing specifics of what worked for them without context. So Mm. it doesn't mean it would work for me. Mm Mm-hmm unlike in a bigger picture, like a blog or even Instagram where we can, you can see what you kind of have in common and don't with someone. It's easier to pick and choose tools. So I stayed off of that and I continued deep diving in this food thing. And I also 
had literally developed a fear of fruit. I was told it would feed the viruses, that it would make me sicker, it would cause me pain, I would never get better with fruit. And I had to make myself. It was a literal fear and a big block and one I find very common. So for me, I flooded my body with fresh fruit. Not so much juices, fruit juices, because the fiber is removed and then the sugar does hit you pretty hard. Your body's not really designed for that. Uh, but I flooded my body with fruit and that began, I began to feel a shift on the clearing of the brain fog, even though I went back on some more antibiotics. Hmm. Wow. The fact that you just listen to your your body, uh, that's remarkable because we are not only taught to doubt that, but then we are also taught to trust our doctors. And um, I think that we should trust our doctors, but then there's probably, it's, you know, both things. We should always be asking questions. We should all, always be listening to our own body. I think that's just remarkable that you, that you did those things. And, and when you did, you felt better. Yes, yes. And so I began to really find my own path. Somewhere along there, I was laying down for most of many days and I was flooding myself with audiobooks. I had no social media yet. I was soon to jump on Instagram. And in an audiobook, I heard um, a gentleman who had become a poet laureate and would get letters every single day. You saved my life. I picked up your poem. I was going to jump off the bridge, as well as the opposite. And he said, "Always, I always believe the critic. I don't believe the criticism. Hmm. So he believed that is this person's truth. I am the greatest poet that ever lived. That is his truth, and I believe him that he believes it, just as the one that said you are the worst poet that ever lived. So when I realized one doctor said 60% and one doctor said 90%, it makes sense to believe the 90% guy. <laughs> but instead, I tried to just step back and honor that that is their truth based on their experience and what they've seen, and that is their truth. So if they can say 60 and they can say 90, then why can't I say 110%, which is where I right. feel I'm at now. Right. So I went for 110, and I believed that they could help, but I wasn't. they didn't have my whole, my whole truth. And how could they, right? Because they're not you. Exactly. Yeah. It's an unfair burden to to drop ourselves and our baggage at the feet of of any other person and expect them to simply fix it. They they can't know how exactly one medicine may be affecting you. Well, I want I really I'm so glad we're having this conversation, Amy. So, um, my doctor likes to prescribe a lot of things, and I, in the past I've never questioned it, and it wasn't until recently that I did. And, um, and trying some other things, um, to cure what ails me that feels super empowering too. There's like a mind shift, right? That, that you're not just doing what somebody else is telling you to do. Um, just because they said so that you are exactly. tapping into your body and, and I don't know, maybe it was, I've had this, these conversations with Sandra lately on the show, um, meeting you in person, doing, um, two of your, um, programs and offerings. Like, I feel like, um, I want a voice. I want to step up to the table here. Why have I not been doing this? 
um, instead of staying stuck in that, you know, conversation, just, just do something like you're saying, do one thing, just do one thing different. And it does feel, um, I do feel some clarity, some mental clarity that you talked about. It's hard to quantify. I don't know if that's the meditation I've been doing lately, changing the way I'm eating in the morning, but something has shifted and that is encouraging to kind of go do the next thing, right? Leaves you open to like, to the path, you find the path and and you get to co-create the path. Whether that's with you that I'm doing that or my doctor that I'm doing that or an acupuncturist, like the fact that I get to have a voice in it now, there's something about that that feels very liberating, very empowering. And just opening up that circle, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to mean you're going all raw, which might actually be narrowing, narrowing the circle of mm-hmm. what serves you Maybe it's coming back with that clarity of noticing some patterns for the first time. So you can work with your doctor. And maybe it doesn't mean a person is on zero thyroid support, for example. Maybe, in fact, you push your doctor for additional testing to get on the right thyroid prescription. I don't think it has to be all or nothing, Mm -hmm. especially when we have such a wide variety of tools. Yeah. Um, So did... I don't know. I'm going to ask you a question. You might not know it either, but I think you might. Um, Adrenal fatigue. Can you, did you have that or can you speak to that at all? What that is? I I can only share in a real limited, this is not a medical version of it. Right. Um, But in our, in our constant busyness, which I think a lot of it sometimes can start in childhood with stress whatever that might look like, whether it's from home or just being getting on the treadmill of the busy, busy. Our adrenals also support our thyroid. So when we overburden our adrenals and they're not able to keep up anymore and they're throwing out too many of this hormone and too little of that, it throws off so many systems in our body leading to brain fog, extra weight that can make us feel just uncomfortable, just more more than we need to be carrying around. And they also are not able to support the thyroid the way that they need to. And doesn't it have to do also with how you hold stress or how you, how you, how you, how you hold that in your body? Yes. For instance, if you're a person that, you know, maybe is active or maybe you do have a lot on your plate, but you also balance that out with, I don't know, yoga and meditation, that there is a way to keep those adrenal, your adrenals in check. It doesn't mean that you, you know, nap a lot <laughs> I, yes. as, a, as a solution or you, you, you know, work very little. Um, I think that, I think it's just how you, how you handle how you handle stress in your life, because I think we all experience stress and you can't, um, completely alleviate all stress, right? But Correct. it's Good. how you just internalize it or not internalize it. Or not internalize it. Yes. I think it's the difference between a busy life and a full life. I think busy mm-hmm. is when we're, we're caught, we're a little behind our schedule. Our lists are too long. We're just always maybe even forcing ourselves to stay busy, to avoid the quiet and what that might look like being still with ourselves. Whereas a full life, our days might be long, our workload might be heavy, but it, it lights us up. 
we feel good about it and we are balancing it. Well, I don't believe in a, a 50-50 balance of, of any kind. No. We're doing other things. Not possible. That, Not that possible. Al- trying to achieve that alone creates stress. <laughs> yes. Yes, like when I tried to go all glass and get rid of all the plastic while I was dropping things because my hands weren't working right and realized, Mm -hmm. oh, there's a sweet spot here. (laughs) Yeah, that was causing me, I believe, more strain on my thyroid and my adrenals was trying to do the perfect. Yeah, there we go with the perfectionism. Uh, But yes, it's supporting ourselves. I have a practice that is still a practice for me in checking in with myself throughout the day, teeny tiny mindfulness check-ins, which I've started teaching my daughter as well at three. If she would struggle with, maybe she wanted a cookie or maybe she was kind of having a meltdown and just asking a hand on the heart, a hand on the belly, closing your eyes, what do I need right now? And for the first solid year, it was always a marshmallow. (laughs) My body says I need a marshmallow every time. Hmm. Now it's more like I need a hug. I think I need Mm -hmm. some quiet. It's been too busy of a day. This space is too noisy for me Mm. or I'm hungry. So checking in throughout the day that maybe we are so lit up with our work that three hours later we're still going, that can still cause stress, even though it's that high kind of good feeling, which is very familiar for me, being a driven person, to still check in. Maybe it's time for some legs up the wall, a glass of water. Legs up the wall. That That's awesome, Amy. I've never done that before. I mean, I've done it in a yoga class. I shouldn't say never. I've done it a few times in a yoga class, but never as a practice. And doing that at night before I go to bed now, I look forward to it. Can you share with our listeners, like, what is the mindset behind that legs up the wall? Yes. Well, or laying me, down? I, or... Yeah, I do it... Um, usually in the middle of my living room because that's where that's where I'm at but I've done it traveling as well I've done it at conferences in the middle of large areas I stand next to the wall and this is this is the trick a lot of people try to kind of scooch awkwardly but I stand sideways next to the wall with my shoulder and hip against the wall sit down and then just put my legs up the wall and lay down it has science behind it but I know how I feel after I do it. It does calm the central nervous system, but it leaves you with a greater sense of focus rather than that sleepy after a midday nap kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. It also helps to move the fluids that can get trapped in our legs while we're, whether we're sitting or standing throughout the day, especially our lymphatic fluid, which doesn't have a pump like our blood. So it helps to shift that back up. It can become quite stagnant. It's also great for the digestion. It can be a good hamstring stretch. But for me, it's very calming to the central nervous system, which is right. supporting my adrenals. I can get so, so you're shaped. Out. You're shaped like an L, right? Your body yes. is shaped like an L when you when you put when you say legs up the wall. I'm just yeah. trying to give our listeners a visual. Yeah, you're. Yeah. It's almost like you're sitting but your bottom's against the wall. Mm-hmm. Your legs are going up, toes pointed towards the ceiling. And you're all the way from your tailbone, up your spine to the top, the back of your head are laying on the ground. Got it. Yeah. And it's I'll, like give, reset. I'll give you a visual of not doing it how Amy said to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked around my house and I have zero wall space 
to put my legs up the wall. There's art, there's furniture in the way. I live in a tiny house. So I realized the only way I could do it was by shutting a door, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I can now take it to the living room where I can do that with my barn door. I think that's the safest place to do it. But I did it in my bedroom where I have a tiny nightstand and a salt lamp. And just this tiny, just my door is really all I have the room for. And so I was trying to... <laughs> trying to do it and like you said it's almost like an inchworm it's not pretty it's not it's not I was flailing a bit your arms are trying to scooch yourself up to the door so that your butt is right up against the door and I was like I'm really glad the door's shut and no one can see what's going on in here because it's ridiculous but I did it and I did it like that for three nights I'm going to try it how you said to do it um that might be helpful Amy just feedback to know what you just said that would really Maybe you did it in a video I didn't watch. Um, yes, there is a video. There's okay. a couple on my Instagram as well for okay. other people that aren't in the program. Oh, you do so many great videos, which are so helpful. But yes, that was that was um, kind of a hot mess the first night. Uh, well, all nights. Um, but I, I laughed really hard when I was doing it. <laughs> as long as you're laughing. <laughs> Glad there's right. no, no witnesses here. Hey, Unruffled listeners, Tammy here. Just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. If you like what you've been hearing, we're asking for a donation of just $1 per episode, $4 a month. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. Well, there is, there's so much to talk about here. I wanted to, um, Let's see where we want to go from here. Well, what I know you we have you have a creative path that I wanted to touch on, um, but then I also want to get into what you're what you're teaching and how you're teaching it, and um, the community that you're creating. You're doing so many wonderful things. So um, we need like a three or four hour interview, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one thing that I noticed that I think you and Sandra, what drew me to you as well, is both of you guys really have a love for embroidery. And so I want to talk a little bit about your creative path. Um, you had a cupcake business that you shared with me and that you share on your website. Um, you also like to sew. You have embroidery um, that is a passion. And you're like a masterful thrifter, which I think we could have a whole episode with you on thrifting. Um, all of those are really creative ventures on top of the food and creating the life that you want to live. And, um, but can you tap, tell us a little bit about your history creatively? Absolutely. I started making when I was really little. Um, my mom, I remember we would make a lot of greeting cards and she was always knitting. Now knitting never worked for me. When I knit, it comes out like, cardboard <laughs> it's mm, so thick I can't knit either it no. makes me sad too I longingly look at knitters and wish I could knit but it anyway just, go ahead it looks so romantic and there it does yeah. <laughs> but no so I uh, at some point I taught myself to embroider and I taught myself hand stitching as a teenager I would get um, that's when the libraries you know there wasn't a book there weren't many books that were less than 20 or 30 years old locally. Now it's incredible. It's just incredible. But even then, I taught myself almost all of my homemaking skills and I taught myself to embroider from Better Homes and Garden 1960s books. Mm-hmm. And I'm I not have sure quite what... a few of those, by the way. <laughs> I, I love them. I, need, I, t- I do too. <laughs> I have a problem actually collecting those. <laughs> 
the animals, the shapes. Yes. Oh, I know. They're great. I think it was the rhythm. Uh, I taught myself the French knot. I think I was 11 or 12. I just did it over and over until it's like riding a bike once you get mm-hmm. it. Right. So I've, I've always loved making. And then at some point I got it into my head, uh, probably out of necessity. I didn't have space to do something. I didn't feel there was space to do things just for the joy. So I started selling them. I had one of the first Etsy shops that was super fun. And oh, that, wow. yeah, that. it's been a long time. Yeah. What year was that? Do you remember about what year that was? Let's see. 2000. Well, wasn't, didn't Etsy start around 2006? I'm thinking. It must have been about that. Yeah. Because my youngest was around seven. I started my first shop beforehand. And then I was a single mom, two boys. I was waitressing. I was working at the library. I was part of the library tech program to become a librarian. And I also had an Etsy shop where I was doing custom flash work. So I was tattooing large uh, Sailor Jerry style embroidery patterns, or I was pictures. So very meticulous, fine um, stitching. I was never uh, amazing. I, you know, I see now that there's Instagram, you see these levels of stitching. And this isn't to knock myself at all, but... Um, I'm also happy that I felt good charging. I was good, but never reached that master level of uh, stitching, in my opinion. But I still was not charged. You just can't charge enough for work like that. No, you can't. No one would buy it because they can't believe, yeah, how it just takes a long time. No, it's hard to – any kind of handwork, I think, um, if we re- all charge, yeah, appropriately um, – yeah, anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I I've always just always made always been making something except for when I wasn't. And when I wasn't, the only exception is really my garden and learning to really start to slow down and listen to the plants, which helped me with my own intuition and listening to myself. It really was a, a clear cycle to me. But I stopped stitching because my hands weren't working the same way. And I had remembered I would always have embroidery with me. So at my boys' soccer practice, at the park, the beach, anywhere. So women would always come up. And this was before Jenny Hart's sublime stitching. Mm -hmm. It wasn't cool. It was actually this odd grandma thing that this 20-something girl uh, did at the park. So it was mostly older women. And I remember it would break my heart when they would say, oh, I can't do that anymore, my hands, from arthritis. Arthritis, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, almost always arthritis. So they would say, I can't do that anymore. But, you know, I I used to stitch all the time. Um, But they would always want to come and see what I was was doing. And it would just break my heart. And I remember thinking, do it anyway. How could you let anything stop you from doing this thing that clearly brings you the joy that it brings me? And then I found myself stopping and I dropped all forms of handwork. And part of it was because I, well, I, I stopped going to yoga classes or I joined the gym and there was a great Pilates class I was enjoying. I stopped going because I was so nauseous that it felt impossible. I would also get lost navigating my way, even though it was only a few miles. So, and was this the lime? Was this, it was more the treatment than the lime itself. Although lime can do that, it was the treatment combined. So it kind of makes it a lot worse before it makes it better. Mm -hmm. So I stopped and, and I was told to stop. 
stop house cleaning, stop because the dust is agitating you, the blood work proves it, um, stay away from celery because the blood work proves you're allergic, and the energetic testing as well, the biofeedback, all this stuff was proving it. But when I asked myself that same question, that how is it serving you, I found that all those things really were serving me. I didn't want to yet again release the idea of being a homemaker, which I had deeply mourned after my divorce and was finding myself a homemaker again and, and really relishing that. Um, so I, I picked it back up again and I realized that I had stopped stitching. My hands still hurt. I, I can now make without pain. My hands hurt whether I stitched or not. It wasn't the stitching that caused the pain. So I might as well stitch again. Hmm. And my stitches looked loose and messy and I began to fall in love with this new form of making. I also started going back to yoga class and I just laid on my mat. It was before I felt confident enough for a home practice, which was another level and, and also very empowering. But just stepping back into my life, even if it meant laying there trying not to throw up or just having to stop along the way and figure out, okay, now where, where, where do I get there sometimes on, on hard days, not all days. I stepped back into my life exactly as I was without apology, without shame. It was a practice. But that helped me step back into making. And that really made such a difference for me in feeling whole rather than just like my Lyme. Or even sometimes people can identify with not only the label of diagnosis, but even identify with their, their treatment protocol as if that was them. Hmm. That makes sense. Right. There's that label again, right? There's more labels. Yes. People always want to know, oh, well, what's your protocol? You know, what treatment are you doing? And then that you're kind of, now you're in that camp. And, mm. and well, and just letting go of being a perfection, a, a perfect at everything. Perfectionism just holds so many of us back. Yes. Yeah. I've, if I'm not good at it and if I'm not good at it from the beginning, then I would tend not to pursue that. Hmm. Where... Yeah, when I began to just simply make again for the sake of making without it needing something, being something I needed to sell or I wasn't even on social media. So just making for the sake of making. There's a book called Time to Make by Ginger Hendricks. She's a friend of mine, a local author and an incredible author. She is hilarious and she talks about making these ugly pot holders and you can laugh. It's okay that it's an ugly pot holder because it was really about the making. And it actually still works just fine as a pot holder. <laughs> I like that. It changes your mindset for sure. Well, we yeah. have, I know that you and I share um, a little, I'll go on a tangent here, a little um, Mormon connection that we were raised in the LDS church. And did you go to Relief Society and did you go to that? Because you said homemaking and that made me think that's a very, that's a word I associate for me back when I used to attend the church. The homemaking was really an emphasis and I was very, I love those times. Mm -hmm. I did. And I actually wasn't raised with any religion. Mm. But as a little tiny girl, I would go to every church I could. I was clearly seeking. And when I, um, I saw a flyer, I was 18. And I joined the, um, I started taking a class at the Institute, which is the college. They're often little satellite campuses that are owned by the Mormon church next to colleges mm, okay. as uh, religious studies classes are taken there. 
So I saw this class and I, I love learning. I've always, again, like even as a little girl, I didn't read a lot of fiction. It was always nonfiction. So I said, oh, these are, these are actually some questions I've been asking and wondering. So short story, I was baptized at 18 and I was very active for the next 10 years until kind of, I'd say I was very active for the first five years. And I loved it. It gave me a sense of, of greater purpose. Um, in some ways, I did feel that while there was, it, all, it also limited and stifled the divine feminine in women. It also honored it greatly. Mm-hmm. Their innate power to heal and the importance of sisterhood. And it's through Relief Society that I learned for the first time that women can be not only your ally, but truly your sister. You know, when someone was on bed rest with twins, it didn't matter that you didn't like that girl, that lady. Right. Mm-hmm. You go serve. <laughs> you brought the casserole and you cleaned the toilet while you were there. Yep. Okay. I yeah. was baptized when I was 18, Amy. This is okay. I see the, con- wow. there's more connections here and I was active so, for about five years. So yes. Okay. Well, and I have a question when you, um, mentioned before that there were periods in your life that you didn't drink Would that, was that during that time that you were, um, involved with the Mormon church? Yes. But even then I still wasn't drinking. I liked my, I didn't like the lack of control and the softness of my mind. My mind moves very, very quickly. I have to use mindful practices to slow it down a bit. So I didn't like right. the way that alcohol slowed down my thought process. So I didn't really like it. While I had drank up until then, that it was easy for me to say, cool, it's not really my thing anyways. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That I know that was going off on a little tangent, but uh, get back to your making. Let's get back to all your creative. Um, because I think a lot stems, uh, so much was um, fostered there in Relief Society, which is for people who don't know, for me, it was the third hour of church, right? It was uh, it was the one hour that you went and spent with, the, with your sisters. And there's lessons and homemaking and how to, how to cook, um, how to make quilts, um, a lot of really wonderful bonding and yeah, to be of service to other women. It was a, I was my favorite part of church. Yes, me too. I, I learned so much and that was something I took away and never left, only went deeper on that. Yeah. So that time served me well. And then I became more of a Jack Mormon and I did start oh drinking more and losing this. And when I became single, um, it, I couldn't, I was already kind of losing my footing and then there just didn't, there just wasn't a place. I didn't want to be a project. Um, there wasn't such a strong place for me, I felt. Mm-hmm. So I, I parted ways and felt that with gratitude that I had gotten the pieces that served me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was that for that. But I, I kept making food was always something that I was creative with, although um, it didn't always, it didn't look like what it does now. So I kept making and I started an Etsy shop. I had quite a few, but it eventually migrated into cupcake toppers uh, on my Etsy shop. So I was making cupcake toppers. Sometimes like the little flags, like a little flag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And it was kind of a new thing. Now you can get them at Target, but (laughs) you couldn't then. You had to make them. So I would cut them out of vintage children's books and glue them to paper. I mean, just ridiculous. Talk about not charging <laughs> right but I loved it and it was fun so being the perfectionist 
there was no way I was going to go and buy, you know, the $6 dozen cupcakes with rainbow sprinkles, which as a business model, I would recommend that. But I would make cupcakes. Oh, for the photos, you made your own cupcakes for the, to show, to market your toppers. Exactly. It was about the toppers. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And looking back, it's like, girl, no wonder you killed your adrenals. That is totally something I would have done though, too. (laughs) Yep. And they had to be good. Yeah. Even though though nobody's tasting the the cupcake. (laughs) Yes, it was not going to waste this flour in time. So then I started really focusing on making a good cupcake and then unique flavors. And then I had all these cupcakes. So I started giving them away and then people wanted to buy them. And um, it was just before the trend of cupcakes. I was one of three cupcake shops on Etsy selling decorations and all of that. So it was um, kind of on the cusp of a trend that then blew up big and it blew up big for me as well. Um, I'm all or nothing anyways. So once that started growing, I started Amy bakes cupcakes and it just went big. I was in the local paper. I was in the Sunday time, LA times premier wedding Sunday issue. I got a couple of calls on television shows, which I didn't even watch TV at the time. So I'd never heard of cupcake wars. (laughs) I went down to Hollywood to screen and, it, was, it blew um, up. It blew up. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. I would sometimes book three weddings and my wholesale in a weekend. So I would lay down for one hour in the you whole had night. No partner. You had no business partner or an or a p- employee or anything. You were doing this all on your own. I barely, barely hired an assistant after it was her thesis marketing for the small um, bakery business. So she had a hundred hours that she had to serve somewhere. And she emailed me over and over and over again until I finally accepted. But I was so busy that I didn't have space to even train her properly or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you are preaching to the choir. (laughs) It was a huge learning curve. So a friend said to me, you know, Amy, there are some things in your business that someone else could even do better. I did what? not believe her. No, I was liar. Kill myself one way or another. <laughs> or her. I read, right? <laughs> I read the e-myth. That was part of an intensive business training I did at the be- at the beginning of it taking off. And after that business training, looking at my numbers, tipping points, I realized, oh, it's too late. I I fell. I'm already up this river. I'm going to reach a grow or die tipping point. And I did. Um, I said no to the TV thing. I just knew that that was not, I knew what that was. And that was aligning with drama. And that Mm. felt so good and so welcoming and so easy. And I was really proud of myself. Mm. I'm still proud of myself. No part of me was even tempted to be the girl crying on TV. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Great. You chose grace over drama in that one for sure. Grace over drama. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I do recommend anyone reading the E-Myth. It's the number one business book that, that completely flipped my mindset. Hmm. Spell that please. The E-Myth. T-H-E. Oh, the, the letter E-Myth. E. Okay. It's short for entrepreneur. And basically it's the story. It begins with the story of a pie lady who loved to make pies. And before long, she found herself making pies all day long. And then she became a manager of people rather than doing what she loved. So it's the concept of building a business that you can work on and not in. 
Mm, okay. And now there's many, many podcasts and books, but the audio version is under five hours and it's such a gentle, sweet way of delivering that concept. Whereas a lot of the more modern books, the, the millennial already has it. They already have this concept. So they need pra more practical tools. The e-myth gently helps people make the mindset shift and then begin to implement. Hmm. So Thank I find you. it's better for anyone over 30. Okay, I yeah. wrote that down. Yeah, I'm I, I need this. <laughs> I, I'm not going, this isn't my interview, so I'm not going to tell my entire story. But I, I came up with a, 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 to that same, that same uh, tipping point or, or, you know, the abyss, either jump or turn around and go back <laughs> mm -hmm. um, with my, my design seamstress business at exactly the same time. It was, you know, I started it before Etsy and I had a rep and, um, that took, you know, then I, I had, before I knew it, I had orders from all over the South and from boutiques and it was just me and I had a little baby. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was, I, I experienced the same thing, exactly that. And, you know, couldn't hire anyone because I couldn't stop to train, train her properly. And it was, yep. And then I just turned around, went, walked back down the hill. <laughs> so how, so at this stage, um, at this stage of your, of saying no to the TV show, is this when you, in your reading and, or listening to the E-Myth book, is this when you decide like, do you phase it out? Do you walk away? What happened? Yeah, the training and the e-myth came and I saw the writing on the wall and I really felt like I had no other choice but to just write it out. Um, so it was still another year. Um, I So my business became certainly chaos. My business was my life, so my life was chaos. My marriage at the time was chaos and needing to end. Uh, so in a effort, I slowed down my business a, a hair. I doubled my prices and then I doubled them again. I tried to slow down. It did not slow down. It still grew. It still grew at the same rate. But I started making myself go on hikes and get outside. I went back to yoga. I did the 30 day, you know, 30 day for $30, that kind of thing at every single studio around me. So I threw myself into a more serious practice. I had yet to align with a teacher. I had yet to even begin to crack my heart to really open or soften to all I was doing was moving my body so that I was a little less crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just burning off some of that steam. I wasn't ready to really let it change me yet. That would come. So then uh, I probably contracted Lyme again. I probably got it you, it's kind of like a kitchen burn. You can be infected more than once. So I probably was infected as a child, then again at that time. And I got the classic two-week extreme flu, all that. Um, no idea what was wrong. And as my my husband now pushed me and pushed me to specialist, to doctor, to specialist, even when we were first dating and I thought I was doing great. I mean, we were sea lettuce harvesting for fun for goodness sake I thought I was doing great but he continued to push me and looking back realizing you know why did it take someone else no one said you know you deserve to to feel better you don't let's you know no one said that so again believe the critic 
not the criticism, it doesn't really matter who spoke up and said, you know, I think this is a problem. Or I think that, you know, you're, I see you being limited by your choices in your life because of this thing in your way, whatever that is for you, whatever that was for me at different phases. So looking back, um, I see that I did not advocate for, it didn't even occur to me that I deserve to seek to go deeper to fix this. So shortly after that, I simply closed the business. It was a Friday. I had a wedding booked. I couldn't do it. Hmm. I could not do it. So I quit, closed the business. That was it. I, I could not, a friend, I think a year later, whispered back to me, you do realize you're still whispering the word cupcake? <laughs> it was a long time. I've mm. yet to make my daughter birthday cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she has a Nana, so. <laughs> um, I closed the business. I um, really was at a breaking point. How old were you and at this stage, Amy? I was just 32. Okay. Yeah. I really crashed really hard. And shortly after I ended the marriage, Mm -hmm. um, also in a single day. So yeah, good times. Good times. You are all or nothing. (laughs) You're my kind of gal. (laughs) Right. Cause that's kind of how we, I mean, that's how I operate all or nothing. It's really hard to find that middle, to find the quiet, to find the space. Like you said, you were going to yoga to move your body. I'm sure later it came to move your mind, right? You kind of quieted things. You got there. It was your vehicle and your way in. But it's hard when we're just kind of task-oriented, go, go, go. Um, I know, Sandra, I know we share this too. Like, we're very driven, all of us, creatively. And especially, how old are you now, Amy? 42. 42. Yeah. And I just, like, in our 40s, I just feel like it's like, it's let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> But that in a different way of hustle, that level mm-hmm. of hustle is not sustainable. Yeah, it's not. You may no. can crank it out for a few years, but even but it is just not sustainable. Yeah, you will crash and burn, whether that looks like a diagnosis, autoimmune is common, whatever it looks like. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that those all, everything that ended needed to end. Yeah. It could have ended earlier. It could have ended, you know, with less fire. So it needed to, uh, one way or another. But moving forward, yes, I, I then allowed the practice of mindfulness. And I started to face, gosh, what would it look like to, to get a little quieter? To look at these patterns. And um, I jumped on the blame game at first. I was, you know, the victim martyr was very empowering but then I realized that there was there was a pattern and that in all of these situations there I was and especially now that I was single that the only the only person that really mattered in this dynamic was me and my role and my choices and what I both attracted and what I chose in a circle of dynamic in my life Hmm. so that's when I started looking closer at that. And my yoga practice was a part of it. I still don't consider myself a yogi and I still have to make myself do it throughout the day. And you're a yoga teacher, different person and you're trained Mm -hmm. to be a yoga teacher, correct? Yes. And you don't consider yourself a yogi. (laughs) Interesting. You're the student. You're the student. Always the student. Yes. And I love to share those pieces. I mean, just like set the wall. It doesn't need to look like an hour in a fancy studio. 
Yeah. I like that. That's what saved me. It's the pauses throughout each and every day, holding myself accountable to, to myself. Well, that is very, very much, I think, the phrase that you shared with me about being a recovering perfectionist, like so many of us are. And your exercises there are helping to reinforce your recovery from that, right? Your pauses, your mindfulness, your legs up the wall, taking a minute. Exactly. Yeah. What am I choosing right now and why? What is there a better choice? Well, I'd like, um, I'd love to, to talk about, and we're getting, you know, further on in the podcast here, but I would love to talk about what brought you to teaching and kind of creating, um, whole life with Amy that you've created now. Um, because I've seen you for the last um, few years. I don't know when you got on Instagram, but I feel like I've been following you for a few years. There seems like there has been an evolution with you and your videos are so helpful and informative and you you were made for the camera. I see why Cupcake Wars probably would have wanted you because you're very good in front of the camera. And I imagine there's a lot of learning curves going on with technology and things. So can we just maybe start about what led you to, to making videos or sharing what you were doing and how you found, you know, maybe, maybe the community that you start. I mean, it seems like you started your own community based on what you've been sharing. Yes. Yeah, I, I was already on, um, well, Meet and Make was is a local meetup that I don't do regularly anymore because I grew it fast and furious, so it became a little much for me to handle. Mm-hmm. But just that connection and bringing women together and always wanting to create a space. I always, when we would meet, coffee shops would volunteer or stores would open after hours, and they'd often want to set up cute little coffee shop style but I would always squish those tables together and, oh no, that's the antithesis. I wanted one frightened woman who didn't know a soul in the room and it was so hard for her to even get there. I wanted her to be able to walk up and slide into a chair that was waiting for her and not find a space or make a space for herself. And Instagram is such a beautiful, easy way to do that. I started it I had heard about it and heard about it and I'd started getting a little better and I realized I was really missing community. The quiet was actually really good for me and it was good in lots of ways for my daughter as well. Uh, Ways that took me a while to realize the benefits of it. All of our quiet time home alone in the garden. So I did hop on Instagram and just started sharing. Um, I think you instantly just kind of like Facebook connect with people you already know. And then I started sharing about where, what was kind of really happening and um, things that were helping with Lyme. And people would ask me questions about treatment protocol and Lyme, 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 Lyme. And I was connecting and attracting a lot of people. It was a little over three years ago, I think. They were also really focused on their Lyme and their treatment and, you know, the pills and the tricks. And there's value there. There's value in knowing you're not alone. There's value in knowing just strategies. And what's an LLMD? You mean I could find a better practitioner to help me? So there's a lot of value there. But what I realized was I was still talking about the same thing and my health was staying in the same place. And my husband also pointed that out. (laughs) He does not understand social media. And, you know, why are you talking about something you want to go away? Why don't you stop talking about it and see what happens? (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't have the wellness yet to really recreate, um, you know, I had friend a friend shift, which happens after divorce, and had rebuilt to a, a small, much smaller 
beautiful circle. But I still really needed that community and connection. But what I started doing was talking about the wellness and the vibrancy and the joy and recording the ocean waves, which are normal to me and part of really most of my day's experiences. And I started sharing from that perspective. And that's one piece in where my health, my own health started shifting. And people started asking me more and more questions. And as my community grew there, I started getting the same questions. Starting a YouTube channel, I have a, like a few up there. At some point, I'll share more. But that was way beyond my scope. So I use voice to text a lot. And especially then, it was very difficult for me to do the texting with my hands. And so I use voice to text. And, you know, you have to correct it every single time. It's like, I don't know which one takes less time. So I finally just flipped the phone around and just sent her a quick video. It was just faster. It was just faster. And then I didn't think about it. I didn't think about my greasy bangs. I didn't think about the distracting background because this woman needed this answer. And I might have a tiny thread to get her to her next step. So the fact that I may or may not have greasy bangs had nothing to do with what this woman was asking and how I may be able to help facilitate her next little bump and simply answer her question. So I just did it. And then I was like, Oh, that was so easy. So I just kept doing that. And then, uh, I think that was it. I've been told I'm good on camera before, but I know I was very awkward. I was very stilted. I could become easily unnatural. So for me, the mind shift was this video isn't about me. Yes, I do try to face the light. I can share tons of tips on how to step up your video using what you already have. I don't use fancy equipment. I, I actually advocate to not use fancy equipment. You just want to get your content made and out there. Um, but releasing all that stuff, it's not about me. It's about the person I'm trying to serve, whether that's one person or a thousand. Then you just kind of get out of your own way and you can show up as yourself. I think it's really it's a it's a it's a brave first step. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you're very good at it, Amy. (laughs) And um, and that's what I think is um, I like people that do that, right? And so I was sharing for a lot on Instagram, and then this last month I just shut down. And um, it's interesting because I am kind of a hard on my sleeve person but I don't consider myself a teacher. And so to really take what you know, that's like a mindset. I mean, you have to have a confidence about what you're doing and really know and just be really transparent, right? What you don't know too. Yeah, I think it helps to say, here are 10 things I tried. Maybe some of them will work for you. Here's three of them really worked for me. So I feel really confident. And when I get the haters, which frankly, I don't get a lot of, especially on Instagram, but when there's pushback, okay, I can honor and respect their truth because I'm not trying to convince them of a different one. I'm just showing up and sharing. So from that place, it's easy for me. Hmm. I don't feel a need to defend it. This is the truth as I see it right now. This is what a tip that worked for me. Yeah, because there's nothing to there's nothing to argue with there if people want to argue or, and I, but I also find that that community on Instagram is so positive, um, and if if I'm following someone that it's not resonating with me anymore or what they're saying or their art isn't speaking to me like it used to or if they 
you know, some people have a lot of alcohol on their feed. I don't have to say something to them. I just have to unclick. And it's like that whole good for you, not for me. And really try to mean it. That's a, that's something that they can easily do on Instagram and it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. I don't think, I mean, who would ever know if I followed them or not, you know? Um, Yeah. But yeah, I have got, I, I do have so many numbers coming and going that maybe three times I've gotten really hurt. You know, like I can't believe, and sometimes it was an accident that happens. Like if I realize if I go to check on, Hey, what's so-and-so up to? And I realize I've unfollowed, an accident, I'll follow them back and I'll send a quick note. Oops, sorry. And then they know, you know, you're important to me. Um, but I, I don't apologize and I don't feel bad if, um, I only have so much space and especially, yeah, like yeah. the alcohol or kind of the glorification or the jokes that hurt my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I can't negative. see it. Yeah. I just wish them well. I just release with peace. Mm-hmm. I and like that. They don't, generally, they don't know. It's not like Facebook where it's a little more obvious. Mm-hmm. And you can unfollow there too without yeah. unfriending. Yeah. Well, so, so you've created, so you've created, um, some programs. Um, and just so our listeners understand, I know that I've looked at your website extensively and I've, I've done a few, but you offer some free content that I think is a nice introduction to your work. Um, and then you also are offering this, um, seven day raw road trip that I signed up for and tried, I have to say, I didn't successfully do all seven days, but I got the gist from you that that's all right. And then I can do it again, which is exciting me to do it again, actually. So can you share with us your, your, um, your offerings and your website and just kind of let us know how people can work with you and how our listeners can maybe find their soft entry into your work? Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I'm a whole life with Amy on Instagram. That's my favorite place to hang out. It's where we met. And then my website is wholelifewithamy.com. I have three offerings there. I have a dairy-free DIY milk guide there, including some instant ones. It's so much easier than people think. That's a free guide. My 14-day guide, I must say. That you that was a great guide. I appreciate that. I I just love it when people go, I can do this. That's Mm -hmm. like my greatest, my greatest feedback. Yeah. So go ahead. Thank you. The Green Smoothie Challenge. It has, you get a video every other day, just sharing on maybe some bumps or tips or tricks. And it's also just a way to get to know me a little better and hopefully add a little more green, some of that five minute easy meals that's also free and then I have an essential oil guide for kids guide with some of the blends that I use at home in our house so those are all at wholelifewithamy.com and then I do have my first full course that was (laughs) I know what people mean now by labor of love Mm -hmm. really the hardest part was not putting too much in there so that it did feel when someone has the space that they could do it. So that's, you can sign up to get on the wait list. There's no commitment. You just get little um, bits. You get to hear from me about what it would be like when we launch again in June, seven day raw road trip.com. And that's the number seven. And, you know, I didn't quit drinking the first time I promised myself I was, but I learned about myself and I showed up to try again. So I don't want people to feel that this is about how you need to go all raw it's just a deep dive in one way of creating a shift. And yes, once you're 
part of the program, you're a part of it. You have it for life and welcome on every time we do it together live. And my hope is that people walk away with, you know, one or a few nuggets, some new tools, some new awareness. It's not about becoming something or someone different. And when you say raw, define that. It's not necessarily cold. And people find that surprising. Raw food is technically by the... um, leaders in that community 118 degrees or lower so my recipes closely mimic tacos there's green smoothies there's green juice in there Um, and I do share ways to make it feel more warming but they are technically uncooked got it and you um you you, there's other things going on here You, you said that um like you're not saying don't eat pasta as a rule. Like obviously under the raw thing you wouldn't. But I want you to know I bought a spiralizer and Yay. arrived. I have not used it yet, but I plan on using it this week. Um, but because I could watch your videos, your videos are really important. I think that's why I keep bringing this up here. How you show how it's done. Um, you had an, a recipe for aloe lemonade. You also, so you had a video showing how to take a real aloe leaf, right? And cut the aloe, which was, I don't know. You said you had so many views on that. That was a fascinating video to watch. (laughs) I watched it on Facebook first, but like how to actually take an aloe leaf and fillet it, right? Like you showed us how to do it while you're talking and working with this slippery thing, right? And that was just so wonderful to watch. But then you made aloe lemonade and I read your recipe And if I just read your recipe, I would have totally not done it correctly. So watching your video was like, oh, you you use the blender here. We're using a blender. We're doing the the peel and the pith. Um, You know, it was important to watch your videos along along with the recipes, I felt. And they were easy to follow. And I just loved them. Oh, that is great feedback because it is pretty funny. Now, it's one thing to do kind of the talking head where I just show up and maybe share for two minutes or five minutes on something and look at the camera and talk to you. It is totally different to be filleting this slippery, you know, it's almost like a fish. It's even slippier than a fish. This aloe leaf, while I'm trying to talk about the benefits and mineral and gut health and mindset. So it's a whole nother layer of of stepping into that role as a teacher. So I do have so much fun with those. And in the seven day raw road trip, there is a video for every single thing I talk about the two minute mindfulness that really gets me through. I show my exactly how I get into legs up the wall, as well as modifications for low back pain, tight hamstrings, every single recipe we hang out and we make dinner together. Yeah, they're fantastic. Such a great part of your great part of it. So yeah, you're not just getting a workbook or something that just just follow the rules one through 20. That's not what you're getting with this program, which I loved. I loved and I felt like I really got to know you through it too. And I haven't watched all of them, which I'm looking forward to. But the nice the nice part of it was because I told you last week was kind of a a challenging week. And you were like, well, can you do it until four o'clock in the afternoon? You know, can you go raw until four? Or and, and when you said that, it was like you gave me this permission slip. I'm like, yeah, actually, that does work. And I can do it on these three days, but one day I can't. Anyhow, I just loved it. You, the, the kind of, again, just the easy way in. I just, I, it made me feel like um, it wasn't punishing at all. 
No, yeah, mm-hmm. the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's just about coming back and checking in and checking in. And isn't that the beauty and the importance of community? I think especially around women. Well, we can get carried away where it can become complaining to just say, this piece is hard. And another person could just acknowledging, yeah, that was hard for me too. And I did this. Mm-hmm. So I love that about the Facebook community that as people felt called and as they were comfortable, there isn't pressure, people sharing different tips and strategies. And uh, I just love that about being surrounded by women that are willing to just show up like your show and just share. Yeah. I feel, yeah, it's a, it's a gift that we can give to each other. Yeah. It was nice to have that, um, um, community component when I could do it, you know, and then knowing that like, oh, well I was couldn't be there for a couple of days, but I could pop back in later. That's kind of what we do in our community with the Unruffled podcast and other private Facebook groups I've been in. That's really why I love Facebook now is for these private um, Facebook um, groups. They're very helpful, you know, for food, for what we're talking about here, creativity, recovery, sobriety. Um, uh, I have a gratitude circle that we do that too, you know, where it's a secret Facebook group. I love it. Yeah, for Facebook, for me, we had a couple people rejoin Facebook just to be a part of the group. And there are apps that you can actually block the feed. So sometimes it can be really triggering for people because before you get to your group, mm-hmm. there's the feed. Um, maybe there's people in your life that you know aren't serving you so then they haven't separated yet. So they're afraid of the Facebook or just people, the way people choose to show up in that space. But you can actually block that and just enjoy your groups and your notifications. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, Sandra, I know we could, I, I have way more to talk to Amy about, but maybe we should have her come back to talk about thrifting on a separate show. Ooh, I'd I love that. So, yeah. Cause you yeah. like, you're like a professional. <laughs> like you have a lot of tips. <laughs> I love. You have a lot of tips I've seen on Instagram. You do these great posts about your thrifting. And I was like, Oh, I want to, I really want to talk. So maybe we'll save that for a future, a future episode. But I'd love it if you could share with our listeners um, three items. At the end of the show, we share three items from our unruffled toolboxes. So we ask our guests, you know, what is in your toolbox of either that can be related to creativity or to um, sobriety, recovery, food health, um, anything. What, what, What three things would you share with our listeners today? Yeah, well, the first is making time to make. Mm. without an agenda of I need to make 10 or it needs to please this audience or customer base. Just making time to make. Mm. I like that. I love the creative bug Lisa Congdon classes. I know we both appreciate those. Yeah. And just sitting down with my daughter and getting messy with watercolors, but making time to make art or something creative. My second is a practice throughout the day. I have to make myself do it first thing in the morning or it often doesn't happen throughout the day. I'm not always just looking forward to this, you know, this time, but it's a habit. I hold myself accountable for tiny mindfulness practices and then checking in with my body and my higher self throughout the day. And time with plants, literally my hands on my food, tearing the lettuce leaves, tossing my salad, growing sprouts, even though I have a garden, time in my garden, but time with my plants and my hands in my food has really helped connect me back to myself mm. so that I can make better choices. So I'm coming from that place of 
of acting, not reacting. And that's been time with plants, hands on. You must have a big garden. I do, although it's pretty self-sustaining. It's in raised beds and I water. And um, so there are days when I'm not in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a couple of years ago, we decided if we were going to give it water, then it was going to give us food. So we tore out even a beautiful Japanese maple. And there's a cherimoya there now. So we have fruit trees and vines and berries. And the berries have been such a gift to see Emily go around and just be foraging in the garden. That's pretty fun. It's so great. And your husband is a fisherman, right? He is. Yeah, Yeah. he's a commercial fisherman out of Morro Bay. So you you have an abundance of... um, beautiful food that your family that you're catching growing harvesting I love it yes yeah it's that connection has really been a game changer for me in my life and again just practicing that presence but being connected to the food cycle and understanding even foods I may choose at certain times aren't serving me to just still honor that whole cycle um yeah and for to be with a person that spends so much time outside and paying attention to weather and moon cycles and actual tides, it's very humbling for me. Mm-hmm. You found your person. You found your person. I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Amy. This was lovely and enlightening and a beautiful such conversation. A yeah, such a great conversation, Amy. You are... I know that our listeners, if they don't already follow you, especially on Instagram, you must um, go follow Amy because you're definitely going to want, you're going to want a little bit of what Amy has to offer for sure, if not everything Amy has to offer. (laughs) This has been so fun and such an honor listening to the stories and the, the teachers that you've had on your show and hanging out with both of you. So... I humbly thank you for not only having me on the show, but for not giving up. Mm. Thank you for all of those <laughs> messages and nudges and loving reminders that, yes, I can do this. Thanks for not thinking we're stalkers, Amy. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's all no right. stalkers on Instagram. <laughs> all right. Have a beautiful day. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening. Hello, Unruffled listeners. So we have produced a year's worth of content and have approximately 125,000 downloads to date. We can hardly believe it. We would like to give you, our listeners, the opportunity to help us continue to put out quality, meaningful content, but we have a big ask. We are both mothers and creative soulmates. We are multi-passionate and have many projects going on at once and feel like this is the right time to ask for some support. We talk a lot on our show about valuing your creative work and it's time we walk our talk. This is where you come in. So we've set up a Patreon account and your generous Patreon donations will help us to pay for hosting fees, better equipment, and assist us in our dedication to keep showing up here every week. 
In the future, we hope to take our show on the road and offer creative workshops in select cities across the United States, maybe even interview a few of our guests in person. In order to make any of this happen, we foresee the need to generate some revenue from the show. We believe that our listeners want to support us, so we're hoping that you can help us make these dreams become a reality. Our ask isn't huge. We're some sensible girls, right? We're really just asking for a dollar pledge per episode. That's $4 a month, less than a large decaf vanilla latte from Starbucks. A total steal, if you ask me. We'd love to offer some perks in the future, but first we need to get this campaign off the ground. We can circle back and check with you all later in the year to see what, if any, perks sound good to you. And we're just so grateful for our listeners, and we hope that we continue to earn your support. You can find our campaign on patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thanks, guys.